Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. Side deals, secret promises, he's always got an agenda. So let it be written. So let it be done. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about ethics and morality and right versus wrong and good versus evil and all of the ethical dilemmas we face in our lives. Yeah, I know I've talked about this before, but it's one of those things that's always around, especially in this day and age. And before I get into it, I want to say that when I talk about these things, I talk about them from my perspective based on my upbringing at a time in my life where this stuff is important. Not that it's not important all of the time anyway, but it's in the forefront of my mind because of what's going on in the world. But what I'm going to say today, I think has general applicability no matter what time you listen to this. And I have a vision that these podcasts are going to be on the internet for years and years and years. And someday my grandchildren will listen to them. And they'll say, oh, Grandpa Gamer Dude, nobody was talking about. Or Grandpa Gamer Dude was an idiot, one or the other. But the reason that I want to put this stuff out there is I think it's important to establish the fact that there are people who know right and wrong, who have a moral compass, who know how to do the right thing when you're supposed to do it. And yeah, am I putting myself out there as that person? Absolutely. Am I perfect? No. Am I trying to come off as superior? No. I guess I just wanted to establish and remind folks that there is a right and wrong. There are moral absolutes. There are times when you're supposed to do things just because you're supposed to do them. And when you don't, that creates problems not only for you, but for the rest of the world. Now, believe me, I love telling my stories. I like talking about what it was like growing up years and years ago and giving you guys something to compare your lives to and something to think about and say, wow, the world really has changed. And that's what story time is supposed to be about. It's just supposed to give you a viewpoint that's a little different than what you're used to. But the real world continues and the things that happen every day affect all of us. And they stick in my head sometimes. And so I figured I'd use this week's episode to vent a little bit about what's going on in the world. And compare it to how it used to be, and compare it to how I was brought up, and compare it to what I think is the difference between doing things the right way, as opposed to doing things the selfish way, or the wrong way. And I guess that's why it's important to have a moral compass, to kind of guide you through life, so you're doing the right thing, so you're not being a dick, so you're not hurting other people. And yes, I'm talking about the current administration in the White House, I'm talking about the state of the world. I'm talking about the rise of white supremacy. I'm talking about ultranationalism. I'm talking about all of that stuff. It's all going on right now. And it didn't exist, at least to the way that it is these days, when I was a kid. Now, you guys know I don't like to get too political. But there's a difference between politics and just being evil. And there's a lot of evil stuff that's going on. There's degrees of evil. There's high-level evil, separating families and ripping children from the arms of their parents evil. And then there's lesser evils like stealing all the sugar packets from the restaurant. That doesn't mean they're both not wrong. It's just there are degrees. You shouldn't do either. But some are worse than others. I guess one of the things that bothers me the most, and one of the things that prompted this episode, is the abuse of power and authority at the expense of so many people to enrich the few that just makes me crazy. 
As I record this episode, we're fresh on the heels of one of the latest abuses of power when the current occupant of the White House diverted Air Force crews to one of the hotels that he owns in Scotland, charged a greater fee for fuel than the Air Force would have paid at a commercial airport, and had the air crew stay at a place, or have to try to stay at a place, that wasn't even covered by their military stipend, all to enrich himself. That's an abuse of power. It's just wrong. You don't do that. Now, this is just an example. I'm well aware of all of the other wrong things, all of the other abuses of power, all of the other morally questionable choices, the lies, the deceit, the misrepresentations, the misuse of ICE, the stuff that's going on at the southern border, the packing of the federal judiciary with unqualified candidates, There's lots and lots and lots of stuff that's wrong. This is just one example. But it's an example of someone who is abusing power and doing all of the wrong things that they can think of to do when they're supposed to be a public servant. They're supposed to be serving the interests of you and me. Public service means public service. You serve the public. You don't serve yourself. You actually sacrifice of yourself to serve the greater good. That's the point of public service. And it's not just confined to the current occupant of the White House. If you look at a lot of the members of Congress, a lot of the members of both the House and the Senate, you see a lot of people abusing power to enrich themselves, to better themselves and their friends, the businesses they own, the businesses their families own. They don't do things to make things better for their constituents. They do things to make things better for themselves. That's an abuse of power. That's wrong. That's not what you get into public service for. At least, it's not what you're supposed to get into public service for. Yeah, you can call me naive. You can call me old-fashioned. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with expecting the people who we elect to represent our interests actually represent our interests. Call me crazy. Now, how does this happen? How do these people get into power? Well, we elect them. But the problem is, it's not all of us electing them. It's those who decide to show up and vote who elect them. Now, I'm not going to dwell too much on the frailty of our elections these days and how vulnerable they are to attack. That's a topic for another episode. But those who want to do the right thing, or at least make sure the right thing gets done, have an obligation to go out there and vote and support people who will expressly represent their interests. Don't just vote for the guy who's been there for 30 years. Vote for the candidate who will make a difference, who actually represents what you want them to do, who shows that they're willing to do the right thing when the right thing should be done, who will stand up for good and stand against bad, who mirrors what you think is important. That's the candidate. But where do these people come from who have this mentality that it's all about me? It's all about what's in it for me. It's all about what can I get for me? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because when I was growing up, at least the way that I was brought up, we were brought up to do the right thing, not do the wrong thing. Part of that was religious-based because we went to church. There was a lot more church going when I was a kid than there is now. But church is not the only thing. And church is not necessarily the greatest thing in the world either. Because churches can be manipulated too. And I won't dig into the religion today either. I'm mentioning it only because it's a factor. One of the other factors is upbringing. Parents were much more involved in bringing their kids up when I was a kid. 
Part of it is schooling. The schools were more interested in teaching ethical behavior and right and wrong behavior. I don't know when people started thinking that they could just get away with doing things. But it happened somewhere along the line. Now, not everybody does it. Not everybody cleans out the sugar bowl at the local diner so they don't have to go shopping. Not everybody does that. But some do. Not everybody steals the pens from the banks, but some do. But it's those little things, those little things that happen every day that parents do, that uncles do, that you see other people do, that make people think, it's okay if I can get away with it. You know, it's not okay if you get away with it. Some things are just not okay to do. And maybe it's all those little things that lead us to getting somebody in the White House who does all the big things. But let me go back to the pens in the bank. Is it okay to take a pen from a bank? You know what? It depends a little bit because a lot of those pens have the name of the bank on it. So it's actually advertising and the bank gives those away as part of the advertising for the bank. So yeah, I guess it's okay sometimes to take a pen from the bank. Do you take enough pens to stock your office? Probably not. That's probably a little too far. But you know what the answer to that is? Ask the bank. Ask the teller. Hey, can I take this pen? What about the sugar from the fast food restaurant or the diner? Or a stack of napkins? Again, if you need six or seven napkins, there's nothing wrong with it. If you take enough napkins so that you don't have to go to the supermarket to buy them for your house, that's probably overstepping. The rule of thumb for that kind of thing for me, if it feels like you're getting away with something, if it feels dirty, if it feels sneaky, it probably is, and it's probably not the thing that you should do. Your conscience plays a part in some of these things. Some people operate without the benefit of a conscience, and I don't know what to do about that. But your conscience, your sense of right and wrong, your sense of good and evil, your sense of a moral compass starts early. And yeah, we all encounter these ethical dilemmas as we're growing up. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? You all know about my dad and his auctions and his yard sales, and I learned to get good deals at these things. Well, what if you go to a yard sale and you see somebody is selling a Norman Rockwell poster or painting that you know is worth $100 and they're selling it for 20 and you know you can turn around and sell it for that $100 in a heartbeat? That's an ethical dilemma. Do you take advantage of the fact that they may not know what they have? I think you can. I don't think that's taking advantage of a situation. I think you have some knowledge that they may not, but I don't think that's a right and wrong thing. Is it an ethical dilemma? Yeah, absolutely it is. You don't have to take advantage if you want to give them the information and say, you don't want to sell that to me for $20. Put it on eBay. You can get 100 for it. You can do that. But I don't think that's so much of a right and wrong thing as the sugar packets and the pens at the bank. And no, these are not easy questions. These are not easy dilemmas to deal with. But I think the sign of a good person, the sign of somebody with good character, the sign of somebody with a good moral compass is someone who will wrestle with these ideas, with these concepts, with these dilemmas. And eventually, they do the right thing. What about this one? You go to a ball game. You have okay seats. They're on the second level, towards the back. And as the game progresses, you see that the seats up front on your level are open and nobody's sitting there. Is it okay to grab those seats if nobody's sitting in them? I mean, it's technically not your seat. But if it's open, are you stealing from the ballpark? Are you stealing from the team by taking advantage of a new seat? You're probably okay getting those good seats as long as, number one, the stadium doesn't prohibit you from doing so. If you're violating a rule that says no changing seats, then you got a problem. 
But as long as they don't have some kind of sign posted or something on the back of the ticket that says, no changing seats, you're probably okay. Just be ready to go back to your seat when the guy comes a little late for the start of the game and wants his seat. You don't have a claim to that seat when the rightful owner comes and shows up for it. What about this little dilemma? You've been working on a project with a coworker. The boss comes in and says, what a great job, and compliments you. But you know your coworker had all the good ideas, and you were just kind of facilitating things. Do you take credit for the work that your partner did? To me, that's a more clear-cut thing. That's where you step up and you say, you know, boss, Mary did all the heavy lifting on this. I was just helping out. Or, it's Mary's idea. I was just helping her put it into play. If you didn't do the work, you don't get to take the credit. To me, that's clear-cut. You don't take credit for things you didn't do. Bosses are good for putting you in tough situations, too. What about the boss who says, I need you to cover for me? I expensed a night out with my wife last week. I need you to say you went out to dinner with me to talk business. Do you cover for your boss? That's a horrible position to be in. Because the boss can fire you if you don't back him. The thing is, if you cover for your boss in that situation, how many other situations are you going to have to cover? But if you don't cover, is the boss going to fire you? It's a horrible situation. The ethical thing, the right thing, the correct choice is, sorry boss, I can't do it. But you have to make that decision knowing full well you could be out on your ear. What about cheating on a test? You're taking an exam, whether it's for school, whether it's for the job, whether it's for a new job, and you see somebody's got the answers. Or you're stuck on a question and you see the girl next to you has the right answer. You'd forgotten what it was, but you see it on her paper and you go, oh yeah, of course that's it. Do you cheat? There's only one answer to that question. No, you don't. It's not the right thing to do. If you can't remember, you can't remember. You shouldn't even be looking around at anybody's paper. Do people do it all the time? Yes, of course they do. Does that make it right? No. But you know, that's one of the excuses that people use, whether it's cheating on a test, taking a pen, taking the sugar out of the bowl at the diner. It's easy to deny responsibility for your own actions. Well, everybody's doing it. If I don't do it, I miss out. Whether it's the right answer to the test, whether it's extra sugar, whether it's extra napkins, everybody's doing it. That doesn't make it right. As my mother used to say, if everybody was jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you? You'll also hear the excuse, ah, no one's getting hurt by it. Who am I hurting? Who am I hurting if I take that answer off of her paper? Who am I hurting if I take 50 extra sugar packets? Well, we could really dig into it if you really want to. If you're taking 50 extra sugar packets, you are hurting the guy who owns the diner. He's got to make up for that sugar somewhere. He's got to buy more sugar because you took sugar. If you're stealing the answer off of somebody's paper, could you be hurting somebody else who actually got the answer right and you didn't or you wouldn't have? There's lots of ways to explain away the fact that you did something wrong. You can blame someone else. Well, they made me do it. Or I was afraid that I was going to fail if I didn't get that answer right. I was afraid that I wouldn't have sugar at home for the kids if I didn't steal that sugar. There's right and wrong things to do, and there's always a way to justify it if you want to. My point is you shouldn't. You shouldn't justify wrong behavior. You should just not do the wrong behavior. I know in this day and age it's probably an antiquated way of thinking, but I like to believe... That if we all did the right thing, if we all conducted ourselves in a way that didn't hurt other people, that benefited all of society, that didn't take advantage of other people's good fortune or bad fortune, the world would be a better place for everybody. Too many people don't think about that. 
They don't think about how can I make the world better for not just me, but for those around me. And too many don't think about what are the consequences of my conduct. Okay, I get an advantage. I get sugar. I get pens. I get the right answer on the test. But what's the consequence? Who does it affect? Who does it impact beyond me? Doing the right thing, having a moral compass, making the ethical choice requires thinking beyond just yourself. It requires thinking about other people's feelings, other people's thoughts, the impact of what you do on other people. And this goes for every kind of bad behavior, whether it's throwing the gum wrapper on the floor as opposed to in the garbage can, because somebody's going to have to come and pick that up. Or taking the 50 sugar packets because the owner of that diner has to make that up. He's got to put new sugar out there because you took 50 packets. Or cheating on a test because the person who should have gotten the job, who got the right answer, might not get the job because you got the answer from them. Or if you're in the White House and you own a hotel in Washington, D.C., people stay at your hotel to curry favor with you, thereby costing the businesses that exist in Washington the business that they would have otherwise had, had you not been in a position to take advantage of the fact that you're in a place of power and can adversely impact everybody around you by abusing that power. That's thinking outside your own individual box. That's thinking about the consequences of your action. That's thinking about what's at stake here. You might ask yourself, well, how do I decide if my action is going to be right or wrong? How do I know if I'm making a morally correct choice or an ethically correct choice? My answer to that is, what would your mom think? What would your dad think? What would your family think if they saw what you did on the headline of tomorrow's paper or as a clickbait headline on Twitter or on Reddit or on HuffPost or on any of the sites that you go to on your phone? I would be very upset if the clickbait headline was, Gamer Dude Steals 50 Sugar Packets from Local Diner. I'd feel like crap, quite honestly. And if my mom knew that I was stealing 50 sugar packets so I didn't have to go shopping, God, that would be horribly embarrassing. I, va- I, I would value my mom's opinion a little too much. I wouldn't want to hurt my mom that way. Because my mom would say, How have I failed as a mother? That mom guilt always works. It always does. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that doing the right thing, making the right decision, is not always an easy thing to do. I know that. Being a good person, having a good character, being an ethical person, it can be risky. You can get fired for standing up to the boss, for refusing to cover for him or her when they cheat on their expense account. You might not pass that test if you don't cheat. But you know what? Being a good person, having a good character, it's defined by your actions. Not what you say, not what you say you believe, but what you do. You don't get to say, I'm a wonderful person, I'm an ethical person, I'm a moral person, and then steal 50 packs of sugar from the diner. What you do matters. How you act matters, and it shows people the kind of person you are. Now you may ask, what's the point of being a good person? What's the point of having a good character? What's the point of making ethically good decisions? Well, just think about it for a second. If more people made ethically good decisions, if more people did the right thing, if you spread that good behavior beyond just your circle, but to the people around you, your family members and your friends, and then their family members and then their friends, it's the ripple effect. It's the butterfly effect. The effects go beyond just you. 
making the world a better place around you and for those around you helps spread those good vibes, if you will, throughout the world. Will there still be people who don't do the right thing? There will always be people who don't do the right thing. There are just some people who don't get it. There always will be. Throughout history, there have been people like that. And for the rest of human history, there will continue to be people like that. But you combat those people. You combat that unethical behavior by being the best person you can be and by trying to spread that influence as far as you can amongst your family and friends. That's how you combat the bad people, the unethical people, the people without a moral compass. You do what you can to make sure the good stuff happens and the bad stuff gets buried and the bad stuff stops happening. I've been around long enough. I've seen a lot of change. The one thing I've seen is eventually good triumphs over evil. Evil never goes away. But if enough people with good intentions follow through on those intentions, they can triumph over anything. And no matter how bleak things look today, I believe that enough like-minded people with good intentions can ultimately triumph in the end. And I guess that's the point of all of this. I guess that's enough ranting for today, huh? I don't know if that's a rant or just venting or what that is, but I needed to say that this episode and I appreciate you listening to it. I know we're living in tough times. I know that the world seems to be an upheaval locally, nationally, internationally. There's stuff going on. And sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes it's scary. But I truly do believe that ultimately good does triumph. You can't just say it. You have to do it. You have to be it. You have to make it happen. I'm not talking about sitting in your living room and wishing for good things. I'm saying you do have to go out there and make a difference. But I believe we all can make that difference. And I said something about this earlier. The question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? People justify doing bad things by saying, well, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it and they're going to get away with it. What's in it for me if I don't do it? Well, what's in it for you? Is that being a good person is its own reward? I know that sounds hokey. And as I said at the beginning, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes in my life. I've done dumb things in my life. But overall, I like to think that I've led a pretty good life. I don't do icky things. I don't do evil things. I try to make the right choices. I try to make the moral choices. I try to do the right thing. And you know what? I think I've made my world and the world around me a better place. And I think people who I know, people who I love, people who know me, have a little less of a burden to carry because I've tried to make their lives a little better by the things that I do. And I guess that's the payoff for me. What's in it for me? My life feels good, and I think the lives of those who know me and those who interact with me, I think their lives are a little bit better because I've tried to help them along. That's the payoff. That's all I need. And that's enough for me. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening to this venting episode of Storytime. I'll be back next week with more stories and less ranting. But thank you for listening. I can't thank you enough for your support, and I can't thank you enough for being here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.